Before I um, introduce Matt to us, I'm going to do our reading, which is from Luke chapter 2, verses 2 to 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Chloe, for sharing that reading with us. Um, as Chloe said, my name is Matt. I'm, uh, I'm the priest here in the church. And today, I'm afraid you have not only me singing at you, but also talking at you. Because for some reason, we were short on volunteers today. Everyone said they were busy. Don't know what's going on. Anyway, Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, it's lovely to be with you. We're, go- we're going to be reflecting, as uh, Chloe said, on the Christmas story, the story that we just heard. But I suspect... I suspect that this wasn't the first time that you heard this story. Anyone first time? No. <laughs> if, yeah, if it was, then let's talk about that later. And um, that's what I was going to say. If anyone is hearing this for the first time, let's talk about this story because it's kind of a big deal in the, uh, in the Christian world, uh, this story of the birth of Jesus. But it hasn't always been that way. There, would have been, uh, the, 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 there has been times in history where uh, there would have been lots of hands up there saying, I've never heard this story before. Actually, this story really... Uh, was a bit of an obscure story. If you know your Bible, you know there are four stories of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's only featured at the beginning of one of those stories. It was kind of an obscure story at the beginning of Luke's gospel until until St. Francis of Assisi came along in the 13th century. And he recognized that in his world, God was, had an image of being, um, well, very male, uh, 
belligerent, very all-powerful. And he said, okay, fine, these are some qualities that we can uh, attribute to God, but, but that's not the whole of who God is. We have to offer a corrective. And so he picked this story. He picked this story because it shows the infant, the vulnerable baby. It shows the tender care of the mother. It shows the, um, the communion with nature as the animals gather around the, the Christ child. So he chose this uh, and kind of set it up as a nativity. He set it up as something which can be seen in pictorial form. And you might have seen that. Nativities uh, on people's windowsills and in the houses. Uh, or you might have seen um, nativity plays. Because what happened was St. Francis took this idea, this nativity idea, and it worked. People went wild for it. And so every year we tell the story and we get our children to dress up and we to, to do it. And so uh, no doubt that most of us, most of us it seems, have encountered this before, either through the Bible or through um, uh, storybooks, through movies. And as I say, if, if you've avoided all of those things, then you might well have watched a six-year-old acting this out. Has anyone seen this happening uh, in a school, in a primary school ever? You've seen the nativity in a primary school? Yeah, some of us have. Has anyone, has anyone been in this in a primary school? If you've, not, if you've not seen it, maybe you've been it. Are you being honest with me? Is this, this is it. Is this everyone? Um, has, has anyone been a shepherd? Anyone been a shepherd in a nativity? You've been a shepherd. Oh, there's a shepherd back there. Anyone been an angel before? You've been a shepherd. Angels? Angels in the room. Um, anyone been an innkeeper? No innkeepers. What about something obscure? Has anyone been an animal? Donkey? Donkey. Yeah. Anyone? Have you seen uh, that scene in Love Actually where someone's a, a lobster? Anyone been something really obscure? Anyone? No? Keeping it, keeping it casual, keeping it normal. Okay. Well... <clears throat> It's lovely, it's lovely that we've handed the responsibility of transmitting this story to our children, to our six-year-olds in our community. I'm all for that. The problem is, the problem is, the story that we tell through our nativities isn't really the story at all. So I'm here this morning to, uh, to burst some bubbles, I'm afraid, because the story that we tell is the story that we saw from last year. And so often the nativity that we see is informed by the nativity from the year before. And it's like a giant game of Chinese whispers, if, if you're allowed to say that, I'm not sure. But it, it's, we kind of pass on the story every year, introducing incremental changes until it's kind of a little bit lost from what the story is. And so, so this morning, as a Christmas gift to you, what I would like to do is teach you some Greek words, uh, let you in on the know of first century Southwest Asian architecture, and in the meantime, debunk two common misconceptions from this nativity story that we just heard. Namely, the baby was born in a stable, and there was no room in the inn. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know, it felt like it needed that. Uh, this is where the, let's see if we can find the verse. This is where the confusion begins. Uh, it's verse six, although I know these don't have numbers on. So it says this, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This is uh, where all the confusion begins. This, 
Uh, there it is. There we are. This is, the, this is the part of the text from which we get that scene in the nativity plays where little Mary and Joseph walk around knocking on every door, and behind every door, there's a grumpy-looking innkeeper who's shaking their heads. No, you can't stay here. And so they end up in a stable, and they give birth in this stable. The problem with this The problem with this kind of view of what happened, the problem with how we've articulated the story, is perfectly, wonderfully articulated by uh, an internet short content creator called Adrian Bliss. And so I'm going to let him succinctly show you on the screens uh, really the problem with this kind of view of things. So if we can have the clip. So, right, I mean, this is kind of a, a bit of a common sense approach, but if we look at the facts, the facts are Joseph was from this town, and in Middle Eastern culture today, but especially 2,000 years ago, the memory of history and lineage was long. This wasn't Joseph coming as a stranger to a town. This is him coming to a town where people knew him. Second of all, Joseph, as we read, he's from the line of David. He's practically royalty. He would be treated well in the city of David. Bethlehem, by the way, was not the city of David. The city of David was Jerusalem. But Bethlehem, they were so passionate about David being from there that they renamed it. No, no, we're the city of David. They were keen on things to do with David. And Joseph was to do with David. And even if nobody knew him and nobody figured out that he was in the lineage of David... What Adrian Bliss showed us is absolutely true. It is an arrogance for us to presume that another culture 2,000 years ago in any way would disregard the needs of a pregnant lady about to give birth. Cultures all over the world, all throughout time, have always managed to honor and give special honor to people who are pregnant, people who are giving birth. The way that I look at it is this. If we here in London today, with all 10 million of us, can give up a seat on the tube to someone wearing a baby on board badge, and I think we do an all right job of doing that, I've heard, then how much more could someone give up the space in a room in an inn? Um, so, so if this is true, if this is true and there would have been place to stay, what's with the manger? Well, this is where I want to talk about first century Middle Eastern architecture. When we modern people in our modern Western mindsets, think about a manger, it's very easy for us to jump to a stable, especially when you've seen it in the nativity scenes. Over and over and over again, we see the stable, and the school play confirms it for you. You know that that's the way it happens. But it's a conclusion built on two assumptions. The first one is that a stable seems like a perfectly good place to have a manger, doesn't it? And the second one is... A house does not seem like a good place to have a a manger. However, to the first point, there is no evidence that in the first century there's such thing as a stable. Stables didn't basically exist. Maybe a storehouse, but that's a little bit of a different thing. Uh, And that's only for the mega rich. Actually, in the first century, the vast majority of people 
the vast majority of people lived in simple two-room dwellings, a house with only two rooms in. And there's architectural evidence of this going back 3,000 years all the way up to the last century. This is how people in the Middle East have built houses for a long time. And there'd be, uh, there'd be one room, uh, which is uh, a family room, and then usually built maybe on top of the house, on the flat roof of the house, a guest room. So there'd be a guest room upstairs uh, built on the top of the house. And then this other room, this family room, is the room where people eat and sleep and work and do, they live their whole lives in that, uh, in that room. If you're struggling to picture that, just remember back three years' time to, uh, to COVID. Does anyone remember living and eating and sleeping all in the same room? It's basically the same as that. And this one room, this one room would be built on a split level with a lower level at the door side. So you come in through the door, let's assume the door's over here, you walk up some steps, and then you're kind of into your living space. And the whole living space, and I think this is genius, by the way, it slopes gently downhill, which means when it comes to cleaning, I mean, you basically don't have to do any cleaning. The hill takes care of it. Gravity does all of your cleaning. Um, if you are struggling to imagine, as Mary's shown us, there's a slide here. This is, this is roughly kind of how that works. Can you picture that? Can you picture this kind of one room with a bit of a slope uh, and with a downstairs piece? And then during the night, during the night, people would bring their animals into this lowered section. Maybe a cow, sheep, a donkey. And they do this for two reasons. Partially because donkeys don't have central locking. And so it's dangerous to leave your donkey outside where somebody might pinch it during the night. And the second reason is because animals, I'm told, uh, are a good substitute for central heating. Uh, and we have some problems with central heating here in the church. So this got me thinking, maybe a flock of sheep would help us stay warm on the cold days. But these two reasons mean that people brought their animals in during the night. And so then the second assumption a house isn't a good place to have a manger. Well, maybe it is if you've got your animals in. I have a, another slide. So this is the same house, but from above. And you can see that on the higher level, dug into the floor, we have mangers. We have feeding troughs for the animals. So they come in and they stand in this lower section and they eat from this higher section. It turns out a house is a good place for a manger. And so we read, so we read in our text, she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Luke, Luke, I believe, is, is trying to show us about something about God in his narrative. He's showing us a God who comes to be with us. And if we're wondering where we might encounter this God as we read this text, um, the answer is, as we're shown here by this manger, into the every day into the normal, into the typical home of the typical person who would be reading this. Uh, if, you've, if you've encountered this story before, then you might know that it's not into the grandeur of a palace. It's not just a God with us when we don our Sunday best and we're all dressed up, but it's also not just a God with us into our desperate situations. It's not only a God with us when we are lost and it's dark and we need somewhere to stay, not only when the plane is going down. It's a God who is with us and ready to meet us in the average, the average, the ordinary, which despite uh, social media, Instagram's best efforts, is most of the time, isn't it? Most of our lives are average. This is the place where God meets us. So what 
So what of this inn then? Here we are. Let's talk about the inn uh, because it says there, we read in the text, because there was no room in the inn. And so to clear this up, uh, I'm going to teach you some Greek. Everyone ready to say some Greek words together? Um, I'm not a Greek scholar, so this is mainly stolen from the internet, which is a wonderful place. Um, Here we are. The Bible wasn't written in English. Surprise, surprise. Actually, the New Testament was written in Greek. And where we read the word in in our translation this morning, uh, we're actually reading the word katalima. Shall we say that together? Katalima. After three. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. I think that's... Spot on pronunciation. <laughs> I think that's exactly how it's said here. Um, it's an interesting word because it sometimes does mean in. But that's not the only thing it means. And what's really important here for us deciphering whether or not this is an in or not is the fact that later on in his story, Luke talks about an actual in with an actual innkeeper. And this isn't the word he uses. He uses a different word. So let's put it on the screen. And after three, one, two, three. Yeah, not so. Oh, he uses actually, yeah, uh, um, pandochion. Pandochion, I think, is somewhere there. So let's try that again. Pandochion. One, two, three. Yeah, lovely. So this is the word that Luke uses to describe an inn, a guest house later on in his story. And this word literally means, if you, if you can break it down a little bit from our kind of language, you have pan, which is the everyone. And then the kion is like, it's welcome. It means all is welcome. This is describing a guest house. And this is the word he uses. It receives all. But the word he uses here at the beginning of the text, when he says there's no room in the inn, is katalima. And it is a different word. There is no inn. There was no inn. And I'm sorry if I'm, I'm bursting bubbles. If you, were, if you know an innkeeper, if you've seen some nativities and your whole world is shaken right now, I'm apologizing that I'm doing that to you on Christmas Day of all days. But it's important. What is katalima if it's not an inn? Well, it's a word that Luke uses in another place in his gospel. If you know the Easter story, there's a, a scene in the Easter story where Jesus says to his disciples, go and find me an upper room. Go and find me an upper room and we're going to eat a meal there. And it describes them going to a house. And then through the house, there is a room upstairs built onto the flat roof of the house. He's talking in the vernacular again. He's talking in the everyday vernacular. And he's talking about the guest room. The guest room which sits up on top of the house. Catalima means guest room. And so she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and she laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the Catalima. It was full. Luke is trying to show us something about God in his narrative. He's showing us a God who comes to be with us, but not a God whom is kept at arm's length. He's not showing us a God who comes to visit as a guest who maybe stays in a hotel or a friend's house or even in the Catalima. He's showing us a God who is born into the midst of our family life, right into the very intimate heart of it, into the, into the one big family room. Does anyone have um, family visiting or staying with them at all over Christmas? Anyone? Anyone with any of those family right now? Any awkward situation. So here's the thing. I've got family, family staying. They've been here a few days. Um, they're, they're not here this morning. Uh, frankly, I think they're having some space and time away from me. I'm quite a lot. Um, 
And that's good. Actually, we're fortunate enough that some of our friends have gone to visit their parents. And so they said, you can have our house. And so that's nice, isn't it? It's nice not to all sleep in the same house. Uh, and especially not all to sleep in the same room. Anyone who's got family visiting, are you all sleeping in the same room? Why ever not? <laughs> Wouldn't that be the most honorific thing to do? This, this is good. This is fine. This is uh, a good thing to do. But, but this is not what God says. God, God says, actually, when I come to visit, I don't want to be kept at arm's length. You, it's not a question of needing space or distance or time away from me. God says, I'm coming to meet you in the midst of your coming and your going. The same place that you cook and you eat and you sleep and, the, and you work. The same place where you spend time with your family. The same place that you laugh with them, that you play with them. And let's be honest, it's Christmas. The same place that you argue with your family. This is the place where God shows this is what Luke is trying to tell. Christmas, Christmas is not just a story of events which are long gone. It is so much better than that. It is an ongoing, mystical, cosmological happening that is coming close by. It is the announcement that God is longing to meet you in the midst of your everyday life. The question is, the question is. I suppose, are your eyes open to see it? It's happening. We don't have to wait for the disaster. We don't have to wait for it to be all wrapped up in palatial clothes and, and kingly goodness. It's here. It's happening. Are your eyes open to see it? And are you willing to receive it? That's the invitation, I believe, of Christmas. And that's my prayer for you today, for each and every one of you, uh, that you this season, wherever you are, whatever your life looks like, whatever it feels like, that you would come to know and see the divine being born in your midst. That in joy and in sorrow and in the endless average in between, you might know God with us. Merry Christmas to you.